with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I am Aaron. I, I'm Paul. This is Wayne. <laughs> I am Aaron. Well, yeah, I just feel like every time I say it a little bit different, it throws you off, Paul. Clearly. It felt like you were channeling, uh... Wow. Some, some William guy. Shatner. <laughs> For some reason, like, the moment I went to say William Shatner, I forgot his name. I, I felt like maybe you were channeling He-Man, like I have oh, the yeah. power, right? Yeah, He-Bob and the Bastards of the Universe. Yeah. <laughs> so You know, I gotta say, until last night, uh-huh. I have never, ever watched an episode of He-Man. I think wow. you were right on the cusp. I was. I, 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 I aged out of that when yeah. it came out. Yeah, see, but, I was at a different age bracket and that I watched it as a kid. And I don't remember a single episode of Heat Man. <laughs> well, I feel like, you know, we're, we, we, we represent not a stark difference in ages, but I feel like I was the prime He-Man age, Wayne was the prime Power Ranger age, and Aaron was Micronauts or whatever crap you used Spider-Man to Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Spider-Man and his amazing <laughs> friends. <laughs> so I was excited well, about Masters of the Universe Revelations coming out this week. Well, you know, I, I was interested in it. Uh, you know, in fact, I think I'm the one that brought it up in the chat that we should watch it for the show. And I was interested in it because, you know, I never had a He-Man toy, never watched a He-Man show, didn't even see that He-Man movie that came out. Oh, so good. But, uh, oh, yeah, I love that. The Dolph Lundgren one. Yeah. But uh, I, the the toys that they were advertising for, you know, he, uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation, is that what, what, the, what it's called? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Revelation, uh, singular. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the toys were hot. I, mean, I was like, okay, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I kind of want a battle cat. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I had a battle cat as a kid. I loved it. Uh, I didn't have many of the He-Man toys, but I had a battle cat. Yeah. Going so, in, I had no intention of watching this. I hadn't watched any of the trailers. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it until you guys mentioned that you were watching it for the show. So, oh, really? I went and watched uh, watched the you first two a, episodes. You being a Kevin Smith guy, I just assumed that you were you were in on the know. Yeah, I haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts that I used to because ah. I don't drive much anymore. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been I you know I've been kind of following the news on this, and I was you know of course sad when they announced that Kevin Smith would be uh, <laughs> writing the show <laughs> and producing the show. So I'm like, oh come on. But I will say I'm two episodes in and there hasn't been a single joke about weed or some variation of weed. Or dicks or farts. Or dicks or farts. But there's still three episodes for me to watch. So you never know. And his daughter, Harley Quinn, is voicing one of the characters. She is. Okay. I wasn't sure. Uh, And Sarah Michelle Gellar is uh, voiced uh, the queen. Yeah. Tila. She she voices the the main character, Tila. It was Susan Eisenberg who voiced the queen. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, there uh, are a lot of big names doing and, the uh, the voices. Yeah, uh, Dietrich Bader, uh, you know the uh, the uh, brave and the bold Batman mm-hmm. voice to the king. Uh, there's a lot of good voices in that show. I love Stephen Root, and he's doing Cringer, aka Battle Cat. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Hamill, I, you know, of course. Oh, uh, you, you, but you know, I, thank you for mentioning Mark Hamill. His voicing sounds the same wherever he goes. I mean, I, he is the quintessential Joker, but he sounds like the Joker in everything. His skeleton <laughs> sounds like the Joker. Sounds like the Joker, yeah. 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 So, you know, now that we're two episodes in, 
to to we, it sounds like we're all two episodes in into Master yes, of the Universe Revelation. Yeah. Yep, um yep. Let, let, I'm I'm curious because neither of you were prior Master of the Universe fans. Whereas I have been. I did collect the toys. I've been collecting, or, you know, I've been reading the comics. Um, I tried reading the prequel comic to this, but it was, it's, it's terrible. So I, I didn't get past the first issue. Um, how do you all feel about Masters of the Universe Revelation? So, you know, I'll, I'll say you, go, you start. Yeah, I'll say you have to watch at least two episodes because the first episode does not give you any idea what the show is actually about. Uh, I remember I watched the first episode and I didn't like it. And I got to the last couple minutes of the show and suddenly the entire series changes in the last couple minutes. Enough that I was intrigued enough to watch the second episode. That was exactly my experience. You know, I, I, I even though the the fights were, were semi-okay, you know, uh, I think there was a lot of standing around where I'm like, you know, if you moved a little faster, you could probably resolve this. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the the last few moments and, you know, spoilers where, you know, Prince Adam, a.k.a. He-Man is, I'll throw that up in air quotes, killed. Um, I was like, well, OK, well, you've reset the table. And, you know, you you get the big scene where, you know, Tila quits the court um, I very much enjoyed the second episode. Um, I'm not sure this is must must watch TV for me, but it was interesting and I was entertained and I kind of enjoyed, you know, the, the whole scenario flipping it on its head where it's not about the guy. It's about, you know, the woman who feels betrayed by uh, the secret that he kept. I think, I think it's an interesting yeah. take on, on the on the character, even though I have no other experience uh, with this series. And so I'm really curious, Paul, mm-hmm. as someone who you know grew up a He-Man fan, how do you feel about that? Going in expecting a, a He-Man story, how do you feel about the, you know, flipping it on, on its head as they did? You know, I will say I was actually surprised, you know, when, when He-Man and Skeletor quotes die at the end of the first episode. Right. And then, it you know, it takes on this form of basically the Tila show. I, I, I actually quite liked the twist um yeah of course i love he-man but at the same time the show is not called he-man and the masters of the universe it's called masters of the universe right and though it's right. historically known as a he-man show i i appreciate that they have now turned it into a bit of an ensemble show that focuses on some of these characters a little bit more um now obviously if you read online it's all the fanboys who hated the last jedi are hanging <laughs> on this because it's oh well, yeah, you know you killed the white guy is. and now it's got to be you know woke and blah, 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 blah. well and is it is it just me or do, does it seem like you know teal has got a thing going on with her sidekick i mean yeah, yeah or I mean, it's not just you it's not yeah. just you <laughs> but there's still three more episodes so who knows yeah. um but yeah no actually i like the twist i like the twist i liked yeah. the second episode i like the um status quo that they're setting up um it is now obviously he-Man, the original series, was like, a, I don't know, 60 to 100 episodes, I don't remember exactly, sure. of, of just garbage, right? Like, I mean, just not... <laughs> they I mean, were yes. selling toys, Paul. No, they sh- were selling toys. They were selling toys. They was made to sell toys, and there were some there were some shining moments in the series, primarily from J. Michael Straczynski, um, you know, being a, a, a writer on it. Uh, you know, I did the, not know that. Mm-hmm. I did not know JMS was not on either. Yep. But yeah, never go back to your favorite children's shows. <laughs> no. But, you know, I mean, the, 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 much like G.I. Joe or Transformers, 
the the real mythology was set up in the comic books, not so much the show, right? And so, but I, I do appreciate that this is an you know a storyline versus you know it, it it takes elements of the original like Cringer talking and Orko and and some of those funnier elements um, that don't age well. Um, but it, you know, it, it works them in, and I, I, I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. I will say my biggest gripe, you know, it, is what we started this conversation talking about, the voice cast, because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like they went for names. Well, yeah, that's exactly like what they did. Seventy-five percent of the cast is woefully miscast. Um, well, like Alicia Silverstone, I think is playing Evil Lynn. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah and yeah. I was like. Who knew Alicia Silverstone was still working? <laughs> <laughs> well, and the biggest gripe for me is Sarah Michelle Geller. You know, I, I I would she does not have I mean Tila has been promoted to man at arms. She's very much drawn and portrayed as a Xena or a Wonder Woman-esque yeah. character. And you, all I, I hear from her is petite Sarah Michelle Geller voice. Even when she's angry, yeah. she's just like like, ah, oh, you're so cute when you're angry. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree that the voice doesn't match the uh, the animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hate to say it about Mark Hamill, but I hated his Skeletor voice. Agreed. Agreed. Because it was, it, was, it was like the Joker, basically, yeah. Yeah, it was Joker, except a little bit more, uh, I don't know, phlegmy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the... just absent all the laughter, yeah. you know. I mean, that, that was really what was missing from, it was like a, a very dour uh, Joker. Is, is well, what his interpretation was. And I have to say, I hated the art on that first episode. Like, the visual representations of Skeletor and He-Man. Mm-hmm. I really disliked both of them. It felt like the art got more realistic once it got into the second episode. Yeah, maybe that's what the intent was. I mean, I didn't mind the art style as much. Um, but, I mean, I will say, I am going to finish the five episodes. I think it's it, it's advertised as the final battle. Um, and maybe, you know, that was just a reference to the first episode or, cause I don't know if this series is intended to just be like, let's wrap up Masters of the Universe or if it's the start of a new series, but I'm assuming the, there's So what I, yeah, what I've read of it, uh, cause I did a little bit of reading up on it last night. This is the first half of the season being all dropped at once. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a second half of the season that comes later. Yeah. Well, I mean. I, I will definitely give this first half of the season. I mean, I'll, I'll watch all five, and hopefully, it'll end on a high note that I look forward to part two. Because um, I enjoyed it, you know. I, I, I'm definitely uh, I'm I'm in for the five, and uh, we'll see how things go from there. Yeah, I'm with Aaron. It's not must see for me, but I'm gonna watch the rest of the five because honestly, it was the twist, the realistic reaction that she had to having been lied to. I appreciated that so much. They- Absolutely. If this would have happened in the original series, you know she would have been swooning over the revelation. But that she felt the way she did, that his father got angry in the way he did about being kept out of the secret. I I didn't see any of that coming. The twist really sold the show for me. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely agreed. And, you know, even as someone who's a He-Man fan, um, I liked the twist and I liked that it's setting up something new. Now, exciting. Speaking of new things, you know, recently Warner Brothers announced that J.J. Abrams and Ta-Nehisi Coates would be doing a Superman movie. And I don't know if it's ever been officially confirmed, but they have, at least the word is that 
at the um, they're looking for uh, an African American actor to play Superman, right? Um, and we've talked about it on the show, feeling like, oh well, you know, maybe it's um, Lower Zod or Clark Ellis, and you know, but the, the, the certainly with this week's news. It does appear that maybe the movie will be hiring an African-American Clark Kent because we're actually going to be getting a Lorzad television show produced and potentially starring Michael B. Jordan for HBO Max. I think that is I, I got to say, I think that is screwed up. I love the idea of Michael B. Jordan mm-hmm. uh, playing Superman. I think it's screwed up to do a black Clark Kent while at the same time you've got another black guy playing Superman because it takes the novelty off of it. Yeah. I mean, I hate to put it in those terms, but you know, it's going to be a big fucking deal when you've got the first black Superman on screen, whichever one comes next kind of seems like, you know, Oh, that again, you know what I'm saying? Well, and when the character has not, but go, go, go ahead. No, I was saying, sorry, I got the name wrong. It's Val Zod. But I actually Val's. highly agree with you on it. Um, yeah. This is the news that I have been waiting for because I, mm-hmm. I love Clark Ellis, but I love Val Zod more. Same here. Character. Same here. Um, yeah. So Earth 23, man. Yeah, all the way. This yeah. is exactly the news that I wanted. But yeah, to your point, it feels undercut by the fact that, you know, why are there... You know, and and Michael B. Jordan even said it. He's like, I don't really feel comfortable engaging in the conversation of recasting, you know, Superman as a black man. I would much rather portray one of the Superman who is actually black. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, especially when that character is, it's not only a great character, but it's a new story. Right. Mm -hmm. It is a different story than we've seen on film before. And I think there's something to be said about taking some of these characters that have different stories and telling them because we've seen the origin story quite a few times now. Right. Well, I just, I, I think that number one, I think the idea of, of casting, you know, Clark Kent as a, as a black guy is going to cause a lot of drama, you know, necessarily. Yeah. Like, exactly. Especially when and, you had this news coming, right? Well, and you've got a character on the shelf that is fantastic. And really, I mean, I, I kind of feel like uh, uh, Earth-23 Superman, President Superman, is kind of universally loved. Mm-hmm. I think everybody digs that character because it is such a fresh take without crowding out your favorite character, you know? Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I feel like we've got a lot of opportunity to see a, a traditional representation of Superman, right? So I don't feel like, oh, you've stolen my ca- character you know you, you've shit no. on my youth you know i don't feel like that but i do think i think that if you're gonna do this thing you do it once and you do it right you don't go okay well you know in the movies we've got this black superman and over on on hbo max you've got this black superman and i'm not saying that you can't have multiple black superheroes i'm just saying you're crowding your message and i i really think that you're diluting the impact of the story you're trying to tell and i do think that michael b jordan's got the better side of the deal i think he's going to be telling a better story yeah. than what they're going to tell on film and i i they had not said that michael b jordan's going to play this part but oh my god he would be perfect for this role yeah and you know what i would have liked to have seen instead i would have liked to have seen him do that in movie form yeah. and for them to have done an icon and rocket for hbo max same I, because, absolutely 
I think HBO Max is the right place for Icon and Rocket. Can I say, Paul, this is happening more and more these days. Uh, Wayne and I are agreeing on mm-hmm. things, and I find it deeply concerning. <laughs> I'll edit it right out. Don't deeply worry. Deeply concerning. Yeah. <laughs> I'll edit that right out. Yeah. Uh, but I, no, I, I, I don't. I do not understand why HBO Max has not already announced an Icon and Rocket TV series. It's licensed the perfect to print platform money. for it. It sure yeah. is. It sure is. I don't understand that. Well, and for I me, it's just Icon and Rocket is better as a TV show than a movie. Yeah, no, completely agree. Completely agree. Well, and let me be clear. I'm not trying to shit on the news because I am psyched for Same. this news. Same. But it, it, it also feels indicative of Warner Brothers, even despite the, the buyout by Discovery, still hasn't figured their shit out. No. <laughs> like, you're still, like, making an... You're, you're still undercutting yourselves yeah. with your announcements. And it's like, just can you guys just get on the same page? Yeah, Marvel, everyone this year, you know, social media has been plenty abuzz with every new episode of every Marvel show coming uh-huh. out. And, you know, DC still hasn't latched on to what people want um and and it's just yeah i'm i'm sad because it's i'm a dc guy but it it, it's it's strange because when dc has a hit on their hands when they do something well it's like it's a it's like how the fuck did that happen yeah and that's my experience with superman and lois this season it's a fantastic show it is premium television and every time I watch, it, I'm like, "How in the hell did this happen? And why is it on the CW?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we talked about the previous episode how it felt. We both thought it was a season finale. Yeah. Now, after seeing I, this episode, I haven't seen after, it yet. Spoilers. Okay, but after <laughs> seeing the episode that came after, it's like, oh yeah, they still have a lot to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was going to be next season stuff, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I felt like when we saw Morgan Edge stewing in jail last episode, that I was like, okay, we're setting that up for season two. I, 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 I know I've said it, and, and I'm going to repeat myself. I didn't like either either the uh, uh, either the, the Superman actor or the Lois actress, um, and I love them both now. And I like their kids. And that is really strange for me to say because I usually don't like child actors. Uh, or children in tr- general. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. or people. <laughs> <laughs> or adults. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't dislike either of them in the other appearances, but they have so there's so much more range here. And it's really a sign that they have a better director now than they did on those other appearances. Well, and a better sh- – I, I think they've got – a, a a tighter control over the show in general and the cinematography really of the show oh it yeah looks like a major motion picture not yeah. a tv with the, show with the exception of the fortress of solitude again Correct. repeating from last episode but uh you know with that with that exception the money's on the screen money's on the screen yeah so i and and i bring that up because it feels like dc or warner when they have a good superhero show, I think they're all looking around, going, well, "What did we do here? Yeah, you know, how, how do we how do we reproduce this?" Sometimes you things know? are just lightning in a bottle, right? Yeah, and um, and since we're talking about Superman, this probably we should talk about this week's Superman and the Authority. Um, from I Greg, believe that's Superman and the Authority. Authority, uh, <laughs> written by Grant Morrison, art by Michael Janine. 
Um, you know, this is a, a four-part series, which I have been out on the Superman books for the last few months, so I don't know if this was set up. No, this books. is not the regular universe, Paul. Right. This is, this is entirely an Elseworlds story. Yeah. Well, I mean, because and the reason I say that is because I felt like Superman was experiencing power loss in those books, so I didn't know if that was leading up to this. But you're saying no, it's this is separated. Yeah, yeah. this is entirely separate, and I didn't know that going in. So for this issue going in, there were a lot of things that surprised me. That was the first major surprise was I didn't know this was an alternate reality story. I thought it was building off the main storyline. But when you start off with him having a conversation with JFK, you know it's not the main storyline. Well, but they do comment that he was lost in time to account for that. So it's not like, you know, they, they made a, a couple of, you know, it, it, yeah. I felt like they, they, they spoke to that. Yeah, it he, is out of continuity, though. It is, yeah. This is not. This is not part of the ongoing, you know, main DC universe uh, Superman story. Yep. The other thing I noticed right away, I expected when they said the authority, I expected the the team, the authority from the comic books, not a mesh of DC characters, and eventually the author, actual authority characters, at least a couple of them coming in. Mm. I didn't see that coming. Like. This issue, none of the authority is in this issue. It's Superman and Manchester Black the entire time. Yeah, and I'm not a Manchester Black fan. Nor am I. I, 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 I really rather despise the character, but I freaking loved this book. Uh, I think Michael Jannon's artwork is terrific. Um, I liked the pacing of the story. It didn't have a lot of the weird, uh, wonky stuff that, that you know, I particularly got over in Grant Morrison's Batman books. Mm -hmm. uh, this seemed a much more reasoned Superman story. And I like that it's addressing, you know, we did not seize our opportunity to make this a golden age and that he's responding to what JFK told him, you know, to, you know, make, make this world a paradise and uh, I, I, I love it. And I, I kind of like this take on the depowered Superman. Yeah. If they would have tried to shoehorn this in as a regular continuity story, I don't mm -hmm. I would not have cared for it. Mm -hmm. But taking this into account as a alternate reality, I was able to let go of like preconceived notions yeah. and just enjoy this, the story. And I I don't like manchester black i don't dislike him so much either i like the one story mm -hmm. you know the one story when him and superman first have their meeting and particularly the i like the cartoon version better than the comic version to be honest yeah where superman shows the world you don't really want me to be like him right i so i've i felt shades of that in this issue yeah i i i didn't love it like aaron did I didn't dislike it. Um, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued, especially because it's only a four-issue miniseries. Uh, and clearly I was confused because I did think it was the main continuity Superman books. And this would somehow tie to the, the new Superman book coming from Tom Taylor, which I am excited for. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe it does. I don't know. But, you know, as far as this book is related, I do agree the art is gorgeous. I, I'm, I've always been a Michael uh, Janine fan or Mikkel Janine, I don't know, uh, but I'm sorry, it's it's Mike Janin. Mike Janin. <laughs> My name's <laughs> Mickey Janin. Uh, no, but I, I, you know, it, we'll see. Manchester Black is a character who works best 
in bite-sized chunks. Mm-hmm. Because he's basically all the worst parts of Constantine, um, and uh, so we'll see. You know, I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about Superman and the Authority, and uh, the new Superman titles uh, coming from, you know, over the next few months. And they do, you know, talk. Uh, they have a little ad at the the back with Director Bones, um, and the de- Department of Extra Normal Operations, and all the upcoming Infinite Frontier books, and so. Yeah, I mean, this is this is listed as one of them, so I don't know if this is just going to be part of that continuity or its own thing, like you guys said, but I'll yeah. give it the four issues. Yeah, surprisingly I, enough, I'm going to give a second issue to a Grant Morrison book. Yeah. I had uh, only one complaint about the Michael Janine uh, <laughs> artwork, um, and it's that last panel, last page. And if you take a look, uh, Superman is wearing stilts, apparently. Because uh, oh, yeah. his his legs are twice as long as he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't catch that, but yeah, it is it is the most absurd thing. I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> See, now I can't unsee it. <laughs> I know, right? It's it's like he's stilt man, you know, from the Iron Man. You know? It's just ye. Well, the other big new number one from DC Comics this week was Blue and Gold. From, Blue and gold! <laughs> from Dan Jurgens and Ryan Souk, the, the relaunch of, of the new Booster Gold uh, Blue Beetle story. And I know you guys have been psyched for this. What did you yep. think? Like you're not psyched for it. Don't act like, you know, Wayne and I are the only Booster and Blue Beetle uh, fanboys here. I mean, Paul. I'm not as much a Booster and Blue yeah, Beetle. Yeah, fuck you. I, I like Blue Beetle quite a bit. Booster, uh-huh. you know... Much like Manchester Black, he works in 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 smaller chunks for me, especially because, you know, we've been reading comics for forty years and probably Booster Gold stories for thirty years of that. I feel like Booster Gold is still the same character that he was thirty years ago, and that frustrates me about him. I, you know, I, I I will say, you know, his character grew a lot in the prior Dan Jurgens uh, series mm-hmm. um, that we reviewed to great extent many years ago. Um, I love that series, and I, I do hate that we have to to reset the character in yeah. order to you know grow him again uh, in this series. So that that is something that that I found a little annoying. I get it. This is comics. This is what we do. But uh, I, I I was like, man, you know, uh, I I I really enjoyed where where Booster was at the end of that series. But you know, we're gonna make a similar journey here again, maybe a little bit different, different times, um, and a different Beetle. Right. Um, I, I thought I, I was a little confused about uh, this, this uh, blue beetle. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I have the exact same comments about Booster Gold. I dislike that he's basically reverted because I really like the growth of blue Be- of uh, Booster Gold. Mm-hmm. But Blue Beetle, I still I didn't know how. Ted Cord had come back. I didn't know any of those details. And I'm looking at it, this is an incredibly young character. And right, then no pot belly, belly like you had yeah. the previous Ted Cord. Yeah. And then he's at the graveyard and I realize, oh, is this his son? I don't know exactly what's going on with the character even. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like I felt like his son was Blue Beetle, right? But I didn't understand the relationship between Booster and Ted's son. And I'm, I'm, I, I, again, I'm confused about it because, you know, he seems to be talking to uh, 
Blue Booster seems to be talking to Beetle, uh, like he's Ted. I I, I well, was very confused I, by that. Well, if you look at the uh, uh, at the uh, cemetery, that's Thomas Cord. And yeah, I think this Peter. is Ted. Cord. This is Ted. Oh, okay. It just seems like they've de-aged him and yeah, put him in You're good right. shape. Sorry. Yeah, I was really confused by that though, because he looked so young, and then he was at the uh, the cemetery. I was thought he was Ted Cord's son, but this is Ted Cord, and it is the Ted Cord that was okay. with him in the Justice League. But he just looks so young and in shape, and apparently his heart condition has been fixed. Yeah, I feel like we you know we we are seeing some. I don't want to say retconning, but I think we de-aged these characters. Um, or, or done some type of reboot because, like we said, you know, Booster Gold has lost some of the maturity that he's gained over these last few years at the start of this book, and Ted Cord looks a lot younger. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we're seeing some type of rebootish thing, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't particularly clear. And, and I gotta what? be honest, I didn't love this book. Uh, not yeah. to, uh, in general, not and not just because of those things. I know we're we haven't really talked about the quality of the book, but I didn't care for the story um, as it was presented. I, it, it feels like a story I've read a million times before with these. Characters. One of the things I appreciated was that while everyone is rejecting Booster, Batman doesn't say a word, and that could have been taken a number of ways. In my head canon, I remember the issue from the previous series where Batman realizes that Booster had tried to stop Joker from uh, what he did to Oracle. And like Batman never acknowledges any of that. But I like to think that this Batman knows that Booster is more than he presents. See, I think that that probably got reset in Death Metal. I tend to think it did, too. But yeah. My head canon. I like that Batman didn't say anything because it right. made me think Batman appreciates him. I want to go back to the cemetery scene. I, <laughs> that is a. I mean, I I, I I agree with you guys. You know, the headstone does say Thomas Cord, and I think I filled in Theodore Cord. Uh, but on the previous page, as it cuts to the cemetery scene, there is this uh, beautiful rendering of classic Blue Beetle. Right. Yeah. You know, flames behind him and whatnot. And then it dissolves at the bottom of the panel to the cemetery scene. I got to tell you, I feel like that is drawn in such a manner that we're having a memory of Blue Beetle before he died. And I think that's why I took away what I took away. And that given also how young Ted Cord appears on this page. I don't think I'm entirely to blame for misunderstanding these two pages. Oh, no. I thought the same thing. Okay. I thought the same thing until I zoomed in on the headstone yeah no i I think that's just some bad visual storytelling yeah agreed because i think they were trying to indicate like hey folks now we're gonna switch to blue beetle instead of what it actually looks like is this you know a character a son perhaps in the shadow of his father which is how i took it until until he actually showed up and they interacted and talked about their time in the justice league and you know then i was like oh Okay, we're, d- we're dealing yeah, with Yeah, I was super tip. confused by that, given how I interpreted these two pages. Yeah, I, and part of it for me is that I know they brought back Blue Beetle at some point, and I don't know what book it happened in. I don't know how it happened. We, I've just seen him there, and I don't know what happened. Yeah. So, I gotta say, I 
feel like I'm a one and done on this one. I, I won't be continuing really? with Blue and Gold. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely on board for it. I can't wait to find out who... Uh, so throughout the book, you've got the people that are doing text messaging to his live stream, making comments and things. I can't wait to find out who the... Uh, trying to find the character's name. Basically, the fangirl. Oh, yeah. Some of those I, characters, I, it's like, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this she is can't. be real for something. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to find out who She-Cat is. Well, I, I'm in for number two. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful that... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big Dan Jurgens fan, and I think the artwork in the, on the book is is really nice. Even though, I think that those two pages that I referred to don't work, uh, given what we've discussed. But no, I'm in for number two. Yeah, and I do like that at least at one point during the course of the book, Booster does say turn off the feed and do super heroics. Right. He is not that. He's not only in it for the money and the showboating. They already have are setting that up. I really enjoyed Ice. I love these two characters together. I had some complaints. My complaints were all seemingly around resetting and that really confusing aspect of Ted Cord, mm-hmm. how he's back, why he looks like he's so young. But I enjoyed the tone. I enjoyed the conversation. And I liked the commenting on the live streams. So yeah. I'm on board for issue two. Good deal. Well, guys, I, I just want to say... The Last Annihilation has begun. It has, featuring it has. Dormammu. Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, what, what makes me sad is that that scene on the cover is never actually in the comic. Because that's a <laughs> badass cover. <laughs> it is a badass cover. But no, yeah. it doesn't actually happen. So well, I, I wanted to talk about this issue because I have a frustration. Uh-oh. My frustration is part of the story happening in other books that I'm not reading. Are we talking about right. Sword? Yes. Yeah. I felt like I had missed part of the story because I had missed part of the story. And I'm afraid that's going to get worse. Yeah, you know, I was worried. You know, we, we talked a little bit about this last week. Like, oh, am I going to have to buy Sword? I'm like, no, I'm sure it's just a tie-in and the main storyline is actually just in Guardians of the Galaxy. But you get to the final page here and it specifically says The Last Annihilation Part 2, Sword Issue 7. Yeah. And I'm like, God damn it. And <laughs> I don't think I've ever read an issue of Sword no. and was actually a little a little unaware that it was even being published. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting about this last Annihilation, and I get why it is not its own series, because it is not its own series. Um, and what I mean by that is um, you pretty much had to read the prior issues of Guardians of the Galaxy coming into this to understand what's going on yeah the, the, I, the status quo of these characters i don't understand why this is the first book of last annihilation i mean I, I feel like the you know prior several issues of guardians of the galaxy should have been the first issues of the last annihilation yeah, yeah. right like i mean ego hatching would have been a good first issue yeah i mean that whole build-up you know uh when you know Doctor Doom shows up, all of that. I mean, all of that feels like it should have been part of this. Yeah, and I don't care if I'm going to miss part of the story. I am not buying Cable Reloaded. <laughs> that is the hill that I will die on. It depends I on will... how much I like the story. I will. I will say that um, because I will buy Sword Number Seven, but I am not buying Cable Reloaded. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I will. I will tell you. I. I liked this issue. Let me start by saying I did that. too. I don't yeah. like that they are using the name 
Annihilation and referring it to it as the last Annihilation because at least based on this first issue, the stakes aren't high enough for this to be referred to as such, right? This doesn't feel like that epic... Like and the Annihilation wave. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not getting that from this book, but yet, right? The, I know we're just in the first part, but for me, this feels like part four because yeah. the three issues led, yeah. led to this. See, I get that level, but I never read the original Annihilation book, so, oh, I, can't so com- I can't compare it to those. But Dormammu coming to this reality and sending out waves of not just mindless ones, but these like mindless weapons mm-hmm. attacking all of the planets at once, that seems like pretty high stakes. Yeah. And one of the things I loved was that scene between Hulkling and Wiccan where they're having the conversation about, you know, do they send one of them off to the other planet? And he he made the right call. They are an empire of two people, and if they keep both of them defending one planet, then they're showing favoritism. Yeah. It's just the, the politics of it. I'm not usually really big into politics in comics, but I like that a lot, how they're dealing with it. And, yeah, you know, I, I love those smart. two characters. And I, I think the book is smart. I, I, I'm very much enjoying the dialogue in the book. The artwork is killing it. You know, between drawing uh, the you know the Nova Corps, you know mm-hmm. uh, Richard oh, yeah. Ryder in this book, he looks badass. And I got to tell you, Captain Glory looks awesome. I mean, just sitting there in his cell, I'm like, I'm ready for Captain Glory. <laughs> <laughs> so in the previous books, you guys have been reading Guardians a lot longer than me. Has Nova and uh, Gamora had a relationship? Yeah, in the original Annihilation books. Okay, because I got shades of that in this issue. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were hooking up back then before uh, she and Star Lord hooked up. Hmm. But yeah, I dig it. I dig it. And you know, Wayne, if you ever have the opportunity, the original Annihilation books are just awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the, the first the series is written. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the first series written by Keith Giffen is awesome. The second series by Abnett and Lanning, also awesome. Uh, they're, they're really good books. They're, they're a yeah. strong read, particularly if you enjoy science fiction. Well, so, so Aaron and I tried something new this week. Um, Paul, we weren't going to talk about that. God, that's so embarrassing. Aaron and I tried two new things this week. <laughs> <laughs> and the second of which, um, I, I think I... I don't know how, because I don't follow any of the creative team on Instagram. So it must have just been like a sponsored post or something. Um, John Lehman, the creator of Chew from Image Comics, and uh, Nick Bradshaw, who uh, is an artist I've been a fan of since the Wolverine and the X-Men days. Um, mm-hmm. I love his Art Adams in, you know, inspired style. Uh, have teamed up to do a book called Bermuda from IDW. Uh, I don't know if this is a second series, a first series, it reads like it could be either. It reads like there is story that has come before, but that could also just be, you know, but it, it also feels new reader friendly because they, they get you caught up. Right. Um, so Bermuda, uh, John Lehman, Nick Bradshaw, Aaron, you hopped in this with me. Yeah. You know, uh, John Lehman, I, I, I appreciate his talent. Uh, I have, uh, moderately enjoyed, uh, some of his prior work, I find him to be a little more indie than I care for, mm-hmm. um, which is why I, I haven't read an issue of Chew in a very long time. I enjoyed like 
you know, the first arc of it. But I was like, okay, that's enough. I'm good. Um, but I loves me some Nick Bradshaw and that's what sold me on this. And the, the Arthur Adams variant cover was also pretty sweet. Uh, but I gotta tell you, this is a really sharp looking book. It's a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of, you know, Saturday morning, uh, you know, serial chomping kind of action. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, 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 I like that we've got, you know, uh, folks in the book who are uh fish out of water yeah you know that and but we've got folks who who know what's going on and um you know they are they are skilled and capable and they're not what you expect i i i enjoyed this a, a great deal and i just cannot say enough how much i enjoy the character designs yeah. And the attention to detail, particularly in the coloring on the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is there is a tr- tremendous amount of detail on the the fish people, the lizards that they ride. Um, you know, the, the, the it would be really easy to to half ass the backgrounds when you're doing jungle stuff. But there is a, an extraordinary amount of detail on these pages, which just really enhances the fun of the book because it's it's glorious to look at. So I enjoyed this book a great deal. Same here. I thought you know we, I, I I cannot say enough good things about the art. Mm-hmm. Um, you know everything you touched on the fish people, the the dinosaurs or the giant mm-hmm. lizards or whatever. Everything is so beautiful and intricate and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I say Art Adams inspired style, I mean I'm the it is like the second coming of Art Adams, like that level of yeah. of crazy detail on the characters and the backgrounds and the jungle scenes. This book is just every book I read this week had great art. This mm-hmm. book was absolutely gorgeous, yeah, um, and fun, just a fun yeah. story. And you know, I I'm I'm definitely on board. Um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the variant covers at the back. And I loved how in the very, you know, after all the variant covers, if you're reading it digitally, um, they have an, uh, a map of the island. Yeah. And I love that world building stuff. And so you get yeah. to see, ooh, Pirate Town and Megalodon Cove and Rex Valley. And it's like, okay, here are the things, you know, I'm sure we will traverse many of these over the course of this series. So I'm on board for, yeah, for, same. for this series. Yeah, I'm a sucker for uh, for uh, Monster Islands, and that's very much what this is. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week is a big week. Um, so from DC Comics, we have, uh, you know, we talked about Superman and the Authority this week, uh, but the new Superman titles start next week. So Action Comics mm-hmm. 1033. Starts the new creative team and new status quo of uh, Superman trying to help the escaped war world refugees. Uh, so that's what's going on in that book. Meanwhile, uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El from Tom Taylor and John Timms also comes out next week. Um, you know, showcasing Jonathan Kent taking over the reins of Superman. Um, also from DC Comics, we have new issues of The Infinite Frontier, issue three. The final issue, I think, of the other history of the DC Universe. I thought the prior issue was the final issue. Um, <laughs> but we have the fifth issue of the other history of the DC Universe. How about that? Very exciting. Uh, and uh, also from DC Comics, we have Icon and Rocket, issue one of uh, the, the, the Milestone, or excuse me, yeah, the Milestone Returns Icon and Rocket series. 
I'm scared, uh, Paul. Uh, yeah, I'm cautious. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I mean, they, I, I feel like I got rogered pretty hard with static number one. <laughs> well, static number two uh, comes out next week. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, somebody's going to have to enjoy that one without me. Yeah. Well, uh, the creative team on Icon and Rocket is Reggie Hutland and Doug Braithwaite. So great creative that, team there. That is very encouraging. Yeah. Um, from Marvel Comics, the last annihilation continues in Sword Number Seven, written by Al Ewing. So it's the same, uh, yeah, same writer, uh, and also the conclusion of Beta Ray Bill, Beta Ray Bill uh, issue five uh, from Daniel Warren Johnson. And finally, Wayne and I will have to try to get caught up on Shadow Man because issue four comes out next week. Wow, how did I miss two issues? <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, we want to know what you think of this week's books. We want to know how wildly you disagree with Wayne. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win Wayne. We're happy to give him away. <laughs> you can also hit us up on social media. Uh, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. What a deal. Hey, guys, let's do it again next week. We'll have some Superman books to read. Yeah, lots of Superman next week. Very good. Woohoo! Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.